Hi everyone, welcome to Tara and Andrew versus the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide. I'm Tara. I'm Andrew. This is part eight of our 3,726 part series where we watch and review a movie from the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide that neither of us has ever seen. There are two rules. Currently, there are two rules that we abide by. Like, what if I just like went super edgy with that? Like, rule number one, go to hell. Rule number two, <laughs> fuck you. Uh, uh, probably uh, not so conducive to yeah, a good okay. movie review podcast. <laughs> So yeah, the first rule is that, like Tara said, it has to be a movie that neither of us have seen. Uh, the second rule is that the movie has to be less than four hours in length. And I'm guessing we should have maybe something where it's like more than an hour in length too, but maybe yeah. we'll, that'll be a tentative rule. We'll kind of play that we'll one see. right here. Yeah. yeah. We haven't mentioned the rules the past couple times, but I was just thinking about this last night about no vetoes. That's really the, the first rule. Like as long as we haven't seen it, we can't veto it. Yeah. But... So yeah, we also also there's dudes out in the hallway that are talking and, uh, and you know our... obviously talking in the hallway is the best the best place to hold a conversation. Yeah, just gonna go out there and be like, excuse me, um, I'm trying to record a podcast in here, so uh, can you can you like shut your trap? Can you keep it down? <laughs> um, okay, so one thing that we wanna say to cover our collective asses is that uh, we are not affiliated with Scarecrow Video in any way. So any opinions and uh, offensive statements that we may make over the course of this podcast should only be attributed to us and us alone. Last time we watched the movie Kronos, 1957 science fiction movie. Yep. Pretty goofy. Yep. We both kind of felt it was okay. It's charming in its way, particularly the sound that Kronos makes when it walks. <laughs> That's the main thing that I was thinking of. That's like the one thing I like. If I was gonna We're totally on board it, with that. <laughs> yeah, if I was going to recommend it based off of one thing, you'd be like, yeah. you, got, you guys, you got to hear the sound that it makes. But then again, we, we played it in the last podcast. So yep. I guess if you've heard that, you really don't need you to don't watch it. You don't really need to so watch it, I guess. You're welcome. Saved you like I don't know. It, it is also kind of cute to actually see the visuals of Kronos moving with yeah. the sound, especially since it's kind of cartoon. Right, right. It's animated. It's animated. Yeah. That goes in. Yep, that goes in. That's, <laughs> that's the sound that I'm done talking. Just uh, two, two slaps on the chest. And I didn't even say anything, but I was done. Yep, but no. I wasn't really done because okay. I started talking then. Okay. Well, shall we have you choose a movie? Yeah. So close your eyes. And I am flipping. Okay. Uh, Stop. Okay. Okay. So you've chosen The Cup, which is a film from Bhutan. All right. From 1993, okay. 93 minutes long. So that fits within our time range. Yep. Lodo and Organ are two small boys studying at a Tibetan uh, Buddhist monastery in northern India. They and their fellow exiled monks pray, study, and go about their monasterial duties, all the while longing to watch the 1998 World Cup. They follow the games as best they can, but when the final game approaches, the boys risk their future as monks in an effort to bring a TV into the monastery so everyone can watch the match. Stanley. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. All right. Let's try this. So uh, Tara has two cats on her, on her lap now. Yeah. I've got two cats on me. Let's see if I can get through this without either of them meowing. Yeah. When the senior abbot gives the nod, they race about the countryside trying to find a satellite dish they can rent for the night of the match. Locally cast with non-actors and real monks, the cup features honest characters portrayed without pretense. The scenery is beautiful and well captured by first-time director Norbu, also the writer and the monk himself. The cup is a genuine treat, 
an unexpectedly good film from Tiny Bhutan with a universal story everyone, especially soccer fans, will enjoy. Okay, so yeah, that sounds uh, pretty good. I, yeah. Both of us had kind of read through the book, just marking off the movies that we've already seen in there to kind of keep track. And I actually remember reading the description for that one and thinking, oh, that, that sounds interesting. I'll, maybe I'll just like pick that up to watch on its own, not, uh, yeah. not just wait for fate to hand it to us. But here we go. Here we go. It sounds really good. I'm, yeah. I'm really looking forward to this one. Yeah, better that than some of the other movies that I saw in there that <laughs> the description was like, I hate this movie. Yeah. Like, there uh, were at least a couple of those that I noticed when I was flipping <laughs> through it and saying like, oh God, that's just Please like, let us not get those. <laughs> that's like a landmine. Just like we're waiting to step on that. For but, sure. Yeah. So we are going to watch the cup and then we will be back after this musical interlude and uh, we'll give you our thoughts on it. The cup. So let's just go straight into the, the rating. Our ratings from worst to best are don't watch, maybe don't watch, eh, maybe watch, and don't not watch. On the count of three, one, two, three. Maybe, maybe watch. watch. Okay, good. In agreement. Yes. It's a very nice movie. I don't say that in like the kind of diminutive way that I think a lot of people use when they say something is nice. Like, oh, that's nice just because they don't have anything else that they can really say about it. It's just like a very pleasant movie. It's a very charming movie. Yeah. Um, not to be too cheesy or sentimental, but yeah. it was just like, it was just a really... Heartwarming, but not... Like a, a genuinely heartwarming movie. But not like in a sappy no. kind of way. It's not like super plot heavy, so this may be like an episode of a podcast that's 14 minutes long, but uh, we'll, we'll see what we come yeah. up with to talk about here. Like, unless we get deep into Buddhism. The uh, movie takes place in a, a Buddhist temple in India. It's a Tibetan monastery, what they call a monastery, monastery. in exile. Yes. Um, since obviously there's all the issues going on with Tibet. The movie is basically focused on this monastery in and uh, at the start of the movie, they're getting these two new arrivals who are basically kind of escaping China to get away from the, the hostile culture that the Chinese government has towards people who are following the Dalai Lama. So these two show up at the monastery. Right in the midst of World Cup fever. Several of the monks, I think, are kind of really mm -hmm. caught up in it, led by this one young monk, Orgian, who is kind of like a... Troublemaker? A little bit of a, a you know, a little bit of a troublemaker, not yeah. like, not in any sort of menacing way. Malicious, Just, you know, no. he, he'll pass notes to his friend while they're supposed to be praying, and um, so it's like another monk's robes to his seat cushion, and right. that Prank. sort of thing, like a little, little mild pranks. Right. He likes to sneak off and go watch games when he's supposed to be in his room asleep. So um, he's really kind of leading the whole World Cup fever in the monastery. So the, these two new guys show up. Their names are Naima and Paulden. There's this letter that uh, somebody sent to the monastery saying, like, it's not safe for them to even really talk about the Dalai Lama or look at a picture of him or anything. So we're 
trying to get them out of the country to an extent that kind of explains like it's not just uh Orgian who's kind of a prankster goofball like there's a lot I think a lot of the monks there seem to be pretty not like super straight or yeah. yeah when you hear about monks you kind of expect this sort of serious calm presence and that's not really what a lot of the especially these younger monks are like at all just they all seem really cheerful and for the most part like I don't know. They're very human and they don't try to, I don't know. It's hard to say, (laughs) obviously like not having a huge history in Buddhism. Like I know there's a lot of sort of going outside of yourself and not being focused on yourself and your ego and your possessions Mm -hmm. and, and ties to the world and material things at the same time. I don't know. It just, there's a lot of humanity and yeah, definitely there people like you can tell they're they're not just like this kind of stereotypical exactly idea of what a monk should be they're they're still you know regular people despite being in training to become serious spiritual figure i mean i i i I don't know i guess like it's hard to say how much of our own preconceived notions are based off of the general perception of like Catholic monks and that sort of thing versus Buddhist monks. You know, maybe we sound like total, <laughs> total idiots, total <laughs> idiots, uncultured with, idiots. Yeah. Um, Hopefully not. But yeah, it was, it was really nice to see. And just knowing, I think pretty much the whole cast is really made up of monks. That's the impression that we got. Yeah. So to, to get back to the plot, the these monks, they're monking it up in the monastery. Monking around. Monking around. And uh, they're escaping, not escaping, but they're sneaking out of the monastery at night to go into the, the nearby village to watch football matches on this like tiny black and white television that they have set up there. And it's because it's the World Cup, there's just like a lot of, a lot of other of the villagers there and everybody's super into it. So all the monks get kicked out of this whatever it's like a house basically it's not even yeah uh, it was like the tv was set up amongst a bunch of sacks of potatoes right exactly so it's not uh, not like a, a sports bar or anything there, yeah there were a lot of those in uh, in that part of india at least yeah it was like this guy just sort of like set up this tv in his house and was charging people entry to right. watch a game yeah so the monks get kind of rowdy like uh one of the were both of the, the new monks there or was it just i think it might have i think the older one, one. yeah the yeah same. The older monk is there with him and he's like trying to figure out what's going on because he hasn't seen a lot of football and they're explaining it to him and then that makes everybody else mad and they get kicked out and then they get busted by the the lead disciplinarian monk. He's kind of lecturing them and being stern with them, but it's not like he's, you know, he's not really that angry at them because he kind of understands where they are coming from, I think. Yeah, I don't think he's really letting them know that. He's still trying to be stern. As a viewer, I think it comes across that he's really kind of sympathetic. Yeah, to their what they're doing, um, and you kind of you see that too when he goes and talks to the abbot of the monastery because he's like explaining the World Cup to him and like football in general. And he's, it's that's kind of it's a funny scene where he's like, "So it's crazy. two two nations fighting over a ball." So like <laughs> that's a that's a pretty concise summation of the World Cup. I guess. Yeah. I thought it was really a, a good way of putting it. Yeah, so, I mean, he's upset with them, but he's not that upset. He's trying to get the, the abbot to go kind of easy on them. 
And so as we're like seeing all this go down with uh, the monks sneaking out to watch football and getting caught and punished for it, we also see the integration of these new monks into the, the monastery. And it's really hard for them because they're, you know, being separated from their family. And the, the younger kid, he just has like, a pocket watch that his mom given him. That's the only thing that he's managed to keep with him when he was sent off to live at the monastery. Do you want to just skip to them deciding to get the TV rent? Yeah, because I think like that really there's not a whole there's lot else that happens. Ton. Yeah. Right. After getting in trouble, the monks are trying to figure out a way to watch the, the final game of the World Cup, knowing that they're not able to sneak out and go watch it at somebody's house. So Orgian approaches the head disciplinarian and asks for permission to rent the TV. And he says, we all promise to study a lot harder. You know, this is a big deal to us. We really want to see this. And, and we promise to do better in our studies and helping around the monastery and that sort of thing. So the disciplinarian decides to argue the case on their behalf to the abbot and gets the abbot on board. So now the challenge is to come up with all the money needed to rent this TV in the satellite dish. Yeah, so then it's just basically the young monks running around trying to raise money from all the other monks to get them on board so they can get this television. And so they, they get enough money or they get what they think is enough money and then they go to rent the television from this Indian guy. And he's like, oh, well, you raised 300 rupees, but it's actually going to be 350 rupees now because everybody's got World Cup fever, so I'm hiking the price up. And they're just like, we had a hard time getting the 300 rupees to begin with. And then they're like, well, what if we give you... Um, what if we pawn this watch? Yeah, Naima's watch as collateral, and then we'll get you the money tomorrow when we bring everything back. He's like, okay, and then they get Paul Dan, his uncle, to go and try to convince him to give up his watch. And it's pretty hard on him, because like we were saying before, it's really the only thing that he has left from his family. Like from his yeah, mom. and especially being so young, and, and now you're in this strange new place, and you're having to become a monk. Like, kind of just your life well. just totally changed. It's a lot to ask of a young kid. Yeah, I mean, he was probably like nine years old or something. Right, that's, that's kind of what it looked him. like. The watch is taken and put in Hawk so they can rent this TV and satellite dish. Yeah, so the, the Indian guy that they rent the satellite dish and TV from offers to get it set up for them at the monastery, but it's going to cost them another 50 rupees to do that. And they're just like, no thanks. And so they're just like, hey, what direction do we need to point this satellite dish in? And they're like, north. Like, okay, okay, got it. We're, we're good to go. Except they're not really. I mean, like, there's a lot of yeah. frantic scrambling. Trying to get everything hooked up. Yeah, you can and... kind of see the, the flop sweat on Organ's forehead as like he's trying to get everything set up while the, the room is filling up with all the monks there, looking increasingly worried as they're just getting nothing but static, trying to get everything set up in time. So they manage to finally get everything set up. They get the signal in place, and everybody's piled into the room. So the game starts, and they're all watching, and... The monks are having a great time enjoying this game. Orgian's looking around and he notices Naima is just still really inconsolable and sad not to have his watch. So he's really distracted and unable to focus on the game. So while he's like sitting there trying to ponder what to do, the head disciplinarian and the abbot of the monastery joined everybody to watch the game. And so they're just all sitting in there together, the entire monastery at this point. Yeah, and then the power goes out. Yeah, the power goes out. <laughs> And that's just like the big moment of drama in the entire movie just about because they're like, oh shit, because it's like, that's 
everything they've been working for. Right. Suddenly, potentially at risk. But then they're like, oh, wait, no, like, it's not just us. Everybody is out of power soon. It'll come back on shortly, I'm sure. The power comes back on, but Orgian's still having a hard time. So he leaves the game and he's going to his room and scrambling around trying to find things, essentially. He can't rest until he knows that he's going to be able to get that watch back. So he's looking around in his room to find things he could sell. That's when the disciplinarian walks in and says, we've got it covered. Yeah, he's like, you're a bad businessman, which means that you'll be a good monk. So that kind of puts everybody's mind at ease. They, they get the, the watch back for Niyima. And it's a happy ending for yeah. everybody. So that's basically the plot side of it. There's definitely more going on than just the plot. Like yeah, there's there's a lot of just um, talking about the plot is kind of selling it short because it, it really is. There's a lot of like metaphors and Buddhist lessons in the movie as well. So especially if you're aware of Buddhism and you know, I think you'll you'll have a lot more to pick up on than just like that straight up plot. Aside from the plot of the movie itself, I think what's really interesting about it is kind of just like the, the backstory to the movie. Yeah, for sure. Um. Because, like Tara was saying earlier, a lot of the, I think, like you said, like all of the production crew were monks, basically. Like the guy managing the boom mic yeah. and everything, the monk guy running the finances was a monk. Um, Obviously the director and writer. Right. So, I mean, it looks totally professional. It, it you totally wouldn't does. tell that it's not, these are not like experienced people making this movie. They do a very good job. And for, the acting as well. Like, considering the entire cast is again untrained monks right um you wouldn't necessarily think again that this was nothing but a like a movie put together by an experienced studio with a cast of experienced actors or semi-experienced at least some of that can be attributed to the director because i think he went to nyu film school and so he knows what he's doing like he's got the formal learning to know how things really should be done but it's one thing to know how things should be done and another thing to actually put it work, across on the screen right and get it get it working in practice yeah so and on top of it the story itself was really based on some actual things that happened at right. his school right so yeah he'd been like a teacher up that uh, at his monastery for like 20 years i think he said yeah. and and it was based on his experiences as an instructor there going into the classes in the mornings and seeing like all these students of his were like bruised and have had twisted ankles from when they'd been out playing football on what he described were like slanted rice fields in the middle of the night so interesting to know that it was based on his his actual experiences uh, one of the things that said at the end of the movie that I thought was just general good life advice was if a problem can't be solved, why be unhappy? And if a problem can't be solved, what's the use of being unhappy? That's definitely something I could I could do yeah, well with taking to heart. Good, but... good advice, yeah. One of the other things that was interesting just to like, it wasn't like a huge part of the movie itself, but like the abbot kind of realizing that the whole football craze that's going on in the monastery, it's something that he never would have imagined uh, would be something that he would be affected by and you know this was back in like 1999 so now it's what 18 years later and it's like what if these monks were into like 4chan or something like that oh that my God. Would be, like that would be nope that'd be a huge trouble for yeah. everybody <laughs> right <laughs> Just, <laughs> i hope they don't get any kind of cellular signal out there in the oh my goodness monasteries well hopefully they're they're all steeped enough in buddhist teaching to, to not, not uh, succumb to <laughs> yeah right one other kind of just like funny quote that I wanted to share from the movie was uh, they're making comment about America and like, oh, here's some rubber candies, which I don't know, maybe they're like Starburst or something. I have no idea. 
So Orgain passing these candies to the two new monks. And he's like, I hear everything in America is made out of rubber, even their faces and breasts. Yeah. <laughs> and I just had a chuckle. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Well, oh, yeah, you're not entirely wrong, not, kid. Not <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it. For an exiled Tibetan living in a monastery in India without, like, much television exposure. Right. Like, you're pretty R- spot on. Yeah, that's, that's pretty perceptive. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think if there was anything else. Um, like the movie starts off with this kid singing a song and it's really kind of sort of almost monster voice like singing. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to figure out like, is that sort of a traditional style of singing or is it just like this one kid, that's the way he sings or right. I don't know. So that's something I'd be interested in trying to find out. There's a lot of like interesting things. Threads you could kind of pull on with this. Right, yeah. More than what you would see on the face of it being just a movie about monks wanting to watch the World Cup. Yeah. The, the fact that it was made with so many people in that community having a hand in it, I think that really makes it something worth watching, especially it just it gives that authenticity to it that I think you're not gonna, really going to get from a lot of other movies about monks. I was reading an, an article where they're talking to the director and he's saying, like, yeah, I, I mean, it is kind of formulated for Western audiences more than it would be for, like, a Bhutanese audience. But even taking that in, into consideration, I think that it really is a pretty unique experience. Yeah, definitely give a thumbs up to this movie. If it sounds remotely interesting to you, you should give it a shot. If you're able to find it, it's available at Scarecrow and it's out on DVD. So I would assume it's somewhat easily accessible, yeah. but yeah. I'm not sure. It's a very like soothing movie, I would say. So yeah. it's something that's family friendly, but it's actually something that you're going to like. It's not going to be something that you watch as like a compromise. Yeah, I definitely felt a little bit better about myself in the world after yeah. watching it. Uh, which is kind of neat right now because yeah. uh, like, it's kind of a shit show. Yeah. Uh, has been recently. Yep. So, yeah, there you go. That's our take on the cup. This is not the uh, the most uh, seamless. Seamless, yeah. Seamless transition. <laughs> right. Speaking of seamlessly transitioning, let's uh, let's have a seamless, seamless transition into talking about a movie that we deliberately. Well, I say we, but I mean I deliberately picked it out because I'd heard that it was good. So I, I'm sorry. To Andrew her. deliberately subjected me to this movie. Yeah. Uh, it's called American Harmony, and it's a documentary, which is usually in our wheelhouse. We like uh, scary movies and documentaries. That's, we our, love that's documentaries. Our, two, our two areas of interest. It's about the competitive barbershop quartet scene, which you mm. may not have known was a thing. And if you didn't know that it was a thing, you are blessed, I would say. Hashtag blessed. Yeah. So... What we've realized in watching this film is that... Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Let's, before we do this, let's uh, put a little disclaimer in here. Like, if you are listening to this podcast and you like barbershop quartet music, uh, hey, good for you. Um, maybe turn the podcast off and uh, or just skip ahead two or three minutes. Uh, we'll give you yeah. a couple of seconds to, to do that. <laughs> okay, I think we're, I think we're good. Yep. Uh, we hate barbershop quartet we hate music. Holy shit! Quartet it music. is insufferable. We 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 realized in watching this movie that barbershop is our very 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 least favorite genre of music. Everything else that usually grates on us, we're like, I would much rather listen to whatever name of genre. Like I'd rather listen to that any day over barbershop. 
Yeah, it's it's terrible. You know, by our standards, by our standards, it's terrible. But I think objectively, I'm just gonna say that flat out objectively, it's terrible too. Um, <laughs> case closed. No more no more discussion needs to be had on this. Please, if you're friends with us, do not invite us to watch any barbershop quartets or don't don't make us any barbershop quartet mixed CDs. Yeah, we just think it's the most samey, corny, cheesy music on and the face of the earth. Like early on in the, in the documentary, they talked to the guy that's, I guess, kind of running the international barbershop competition. He's like, there's no instruments or anything like that. It's just people's voices and that's it. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's true. But then you realize that it's just people's voices. Like there is like very little variation between any of the groups that they Yeah, and, and they're just all singing the same sort of style. Like there is a lot of sound texture you can make with just human voices. There's a lot of things you can do with it. Barbershop doesn't explore that. No, it's all just... Uh. So, music aside, let's maybe talk about the, the people that are in the quartets a little bit. We don't have to go into, like, a yeah. lengthy detail, but they're all, they all just seem, like, Punchables. Yeah, and then didn't one of them say something like how he was giving a gift? It wasn't quite <laughs> that verbiage, but something kind of along those lines. There was just a lot of insufferable aspects to this, just the people in this movie and the, in the music scene in general. Right, and it's just... Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, so don't watch American Harmony. Like Barbershop Quartet itself, it's technically competent uh, yeah. as a documentary, but it's not anything that you need to watch necessarily. We just wanted to talk about it to express our disgust with uh, Barbershop Quartet in general. So hopefully we haven't alienated our massive fan base by doing that. Although we did tell them to turn it off. So if they're still <laughs> listening, that's really, that's on you, not on us. As far yeah. as you could have known, like, we could have told you to turn it off, and then we could have talked about how great we thought it was. So, anyway. Uh, you can find us online at TaraAndAndrewVersus.com. You can also email us if you've got any comments you want to make about movies that we've discussed, or let us know about any movies you think we would like to see. TaraAndAndrew at gmail.com. We also now have a Facebook page uh taryn andrew versus the scare covid movie guide check us out like us on there if you want we always post links to the new episodes every tuesday and then uh as always we want to express our eternal gratitude towards boat for letting us use the song lately off of the album setting the paces thank you boat thank you boat and that wraps up this episode of taryn andrew versus the scare video movie guide catch you later potato hags catch you later potato hags <laughs>